Thanks for joining us on History Makers. And we're privileged to have John Mackay in the studio. Now, Karen, you mentioned John to me a few weeks ago because your sons have been doing a bit of study about it. Well, you know what? A few years ago, I did a bit of a homeschooling stint, you know, the distance ed thing. And mm-hmm. uh, I actually took my boys and arranged for a whole cooperative group of homeschooling families to go and see a presentation by John Mackay, the creation guy. Mm. And my boys were fascinated. Really, John just came across to us as as a, a modern-day Steve Irwin of, uh, of uh, Christian science. And it's just fantastic to be able to track down John and to have him in the studio with us. How are you, John? Good on you, mate. Glad yeah, to be hey. here. <laughs> it's great to have you along. Now, there's been a lot of discussion in the last couple of weeks about uh, this debate with Richard Dawkins and Cardinal George Pell. Uh, we're going to get to that shortly because you've debated Dawkins before, haven't you? Oh, yes, you? yes. People oh. can uh, scroll up Dawkins and Mackay and uh, yep. see it online. Oh, looking forward to it. We'll have to chat about all that stuff a bit later on. Let's start off finding out a bit about your journey. Mm-hmm. So tell us, um, were you raised uh, as a Christian? How did you start getting this fascination with creation? Well, one reason people like Dawkins find it so hard to deal with people like me is they usually think of anybody who believes the Bible to be real history as some sort of loony bin that was brainwashed from kindergarten onwards, right? And I just wasn't. Mm. Uh, I wasn't made to go to church. I, we didn't have a Christian family or anything like that. There was no Bible reading in the house or uh, that sort of stuff. Uh, basically, I became a Christian through reading a science textbook by an atheist, uh-huh. Okay, uh, which is, it, I guess it means God's got a wonderful sense of humor. <laughs> uh, but my favorite subject was evolution. And the bottom line is I'd already realized by the time I had a, a high school education that the diagrams we saw of, um, you know, uh, embryos with fish gills and tails that were in the textbook as proof of evolution. If that's all we were, if we were just animals, I was free to do anything I liked and that pleased me. Mm. Right. So my favorite subject became evolution. I was always pretty good at science. So I was studying a science book by a rather prestigious author in those days. Uh, but the, the fact is he had a section in his book on why there is no God. And all of a sudden, I thought, why is religion in this book? Mm -hmm. I thought science had nothing to do with religion. And to be honest, his arguments against there being a God were so stupid, I felt, well, he's poking fun at the Bible too. I'll pick up a Bible and see what it says. And that's the start of the, the story, really. And you actually went on to become a science teacher, Yes, I went on to become a a teacher, then a science teacher, then a geology lecturer, Uh and now full-time creation guy. Wow, and you are the Australian (laughs) Director of Creation Research and international speaker. So for 30 years now, you've been uh, talking about this subject of origins and doing field research worldwide. What keeps you going? Well, they say after you've done something for at least 10,000 hours, you start to get it right. So I've begun to finally (laughs) crack the eggshell there. Uh, What keeps me going? Uh, I guess you can say it goes back to when, A, I'd become a Christian, Mm -hmm. uh, which was about 18 months or so after I'd picked up that science textbook and then picked up a Bible and then read all the way through from Genesis to Revelation uh, and met Christ in its pages. But uh, that still left me as a confused student Mm -hmm. because... 
you know, you had millions of years of evolution in your head and yet you had a book that says God made the world in six days. Now, I had a bit of an allegiance to this book because I'd met the Jesus of John uh, who the New Testament says is the creator of Genesis. And this Jesus had changed me. So I thought, well, okay, I can't dismiss that evidence. Jesus has definitely changed me. But his book says he made the world in six days. And my professor says, billions of years ago, a mm. big bang turned into a professor. And uh, so I, I really began to seriously study that issue. And finally, I was in a position in a rather prestigious educational institution uh, where a, a young evangelist came to see me and he said, listen, John, you're going to have to help us. You're the science guy. You're a Christian. You've been involved in geology. Uh, we are interviewing students, you know, the old-fashioned interview-style witness where they would do a survey. And he said nine out of ten of the students are saying, why are you wasting your time telling us about Jesus Christ when we know that Adam and Eve aren't true? And he said, they didn't tell us at Bible college how to deal with that. Please help. And I went to God, please help, because, you know, I don't know the answer either. And uh, so that began a second journey where I had to say, Lord, I need to know. I want to know what you say about this, because you were there and us scientists weren't. So yeah. that became my priority, finding out what the God who was there said and the evidence for that versus the opinions of men. So that took me on the second journey, which ended up as being a full-time creation speaker in the end. Now, I've got a question I need to ask you. So a guy who listens to a radio show just gave his heart to Jesus, and mm-hmm. he said to me, you know, I still don't know about this evolution thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're catching up soon. What should I say to him? What's a good starting point for, for, for us to have a discussion about it, you reckon? Okay, well, remember that's exactly where I got to. I yeah. read through the whole of the Bible, got up to John's Gospel, got up to John 14 where Jesus said, if you love me and obey my commandments, I will make myself known to you. And Jesus did, so I knew he was real, right? His Holy Spirit filled me. I knew it was indisputable. Yeah. This, this guy kept his promises. Yes. And at the same time, he was the one who John's Gospel says created all things. So Mm -hmm. I knew there was a connection there. And so I guess the recommendation I'd make is uh, to this young man who's become a Christian, get to know Jesus really well, Yeah. first off, right? And secondly, really believe him when he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And when you get to issues like, how could you make the world in just six days? It's such a big job, you know. <laughs> Remember that if you were trying to make the world in six days, it would be an enormous job because most of our listeners haven't even made their bed today, yeah. right? So they'd never make a universe. <laughs> but this Jesus who changes people on the spot, this Jesus who can fix up drug addicts and repair broken marriages, this Jesus turned water into wine. Now, you go to a brewery and ask them how to do that, and they'll say, well, you take five years to grow the grapevine, you put the, you mash up all the grapes, you know, you cork it up, you leave it for 50 years. Well, Jesus didn't waste time on all of that. He just spoke and said, take that water, put it into this vase, take it outside and serve it. In the kitchen, it was H2O. Outside, it was better than 4X or Foster's or whatever, right? <laughs> and, and and the host of the party was amazed. This was brilliant stuff. And this Jesus actually created carbon-based molecules by just speaking. Yeah. In other words, you don't need time to create. You need talent. So Jesus has got it all, so he doesn't need any time. So in other words, 
because he didn't even need six days. Mm. So that raised another question. Why did he make the world in six days? And he answers it. So we'd know how to live our lives. Mm. Six days we work, seventh day you rest and give him the honour and the glory and the praise. I'm interested, John, to see uh, a favourite quote of yours is actually a quote from Jesus' mouth himself. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's inscribed in the sandstone mantle above the good old entrance to the science department of the Queensland University, the quote being, the truth shall set you free. That's there for the science department. Yes, Yes. and what amazed me uh, is that it was there in isolation because you went into the science department, you learned all about how billions of years of Uh chance produced the universe. And then you do a little bit of digging, you find, well, hang on, this university wasn't set up by atheist evolutionists. It was set up by men who had a Christian-based perspective. And then you go back and you read people like Michael Faraday, Well, he spent more time in Sunday school using his experiments to demonstrate the truth of God's word. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you look up Isaac Newton and he spent more time writing commentaries on the Bible. Uh, And you think, why didn't they tell me this? Because what you need to be a scientist is a sure knowledge that there are really laws out there to find. And the only way you can know that is if somebody who was there has told you. As Romans chapter 1 says, the nature of God is clearly seen in his creation. Who is God? He is the lawgiver. He is the God of order. He is the God who doesn't change. Aha, so if I do an experiment tomorrow and I get the same result as I got today, I'm on to something, right? <laughs> if evolution is true, then A, first of all, your brain's evolved, and you don't even know if what you're observing is what's connected to yesterday or a million years ago. So laws could be evolving too. So science becomes meaningless in the end. And in fact, uh, to give a little bit of a pragmatic hint to any educators out there, if you're wondering why students are abandoning science, it's because you have no philosophical basis as an atheist evolutionist for them to even think it's meaningful. Mm. That's a heavy one. Uh, that's that's got me thinking. That one. <laughs> okay, mate. Now, uh, Richard Dawkins was on the TV recently. He's been yep. out in Australia. He, he had this debate with Cardinal George Pell, and you've debated him before. Yep. Uh, there's this whole breed of new atheists that that mm-hmm. are you know mm-hmm. rising up around the around the world. Uh, what what would you say uh, if you had a discussion with Richard Dawkins today? What, what's your what's your best message that you would bring to someone like Richard Dawkins? Um, well, the simplest method of approach to Richard Dawkins is to call his bluff. Yeah. Right. That's point number one. Uh, atheists uh, are arrogant. The, the new atheists, yeah. that is, are arrogant. They are antagonistic. They are very openly anti-Christian and they are bluffing through their eyeballs. Yeah. Right. And so when Richard Dawkins says, but all the evidence proves evolution. Oh, OK, Richard, show me. Yeah. Give me. Tell me. Point to it. Right. And call his bluff because in the end, there's nothing there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely nothing. So that's point number one. Point number two is say, now, excuse me, Richard, what evidence would convince you the world was created? And the minute he says, but I'm an atheist, there is no God. You've got him because he's trying to pretend he's open minded. But atheists, the new atheists are so open minded, their brains are fell out. Right. (laughs) That's where they've got to. They're not even thinking anymore. And in fact, they're becoming clear evidence that the Bible is true. You know that scripture that says only the fool says in his heart there is no God? One of my favorite quotes from Richard Dawkins is off a PBS program in the USA where he was asked, is evolution a fact? Right? And he answers, well, evolution has been observed, it's just that it hasn't been observed while it's been happening. And you think, Richard, that is dumb. Mm. 
You are proof that God described atheists accurately. A fool says in his heart, there is no God, and that's foolish. So secondly, you need to point out that his whole logic structure is beginning to fall apart, and he doesn't even want an answer to the question about creation. And the third thing I'd say was, hang on, Richard, I'll give you some help. God says 10 times in Genesis 1, he created things each after their own kind. Do you live in a world where people have people? Dogs have dogs and chickens have chickens and pigs never fly. Um, the answer is yes, right? So <laughs> yeah. what do you, what's your problem, Richard? It's not the, the data, it's your heart. Mm, wow. And I'd, I'd like to have a look at that. So the, is there a YouTube clip of your discussion you had uh, with yes, Richard Dawkins? Yes, just yeah? Google Dawkins and Mackay or Mackay mm-hmm. and Dawkins, depending on who you think is more important. Nah. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll put a link to that up on the website if people want to find that. Speaking of the web and online, I see now you have a 3D online museum. Oh, yes. We have several websites. Uh, the main creationresearch.net website, people can get to all the others from there. Mm-hmm. We have an askjohnmackay.com website, mm-hmm. which is a Q&A one, and that's increasingly popular in these last 18 months and we have a web museum um, so yeah there's lots of ways you can find a lot of these fossils and the evidence uh, there yourself so creationresearch.net and start there Speaking of the research, I know my boys have been bugging me now for two years to come on a field trip with you mm-hmm. and go searching for fossils. I know yep. George, my older one, mm-hmm. uh, when we were with you, he uh, collected quite a number of the shark teeth yep, yep, that you had. Right. Yeah. Uh, my other son loves all things geology with rocks. Yeah, what's your next field trip? Well, if he wants to collect more <laughs> shark's teeth, we have a site south of Christchurch in New Zealand we take field trips to to collect mm-hmm. shark's teeth, but that's a little far yeah. to go. If folks want to know when these field trips run and we really do encourage you come and see the evidence for yourself Mm. Uh, it's just fabulous because the bible is a book that you don't believe in order to make true Mm -hmm. the jesus of the new testament is not somebody you imagine in order to pretend that he's real because he is real and he is true you're a fool if you don't check out what he says and then foolish if you don't believe the stones that actually do cry out the praises of this god so Mm. we encourage people to come and see the evidence for themselves Mm. and uh, they can actually find out when these field trips on just contact us and say we want your newsletters about when the the field trips are going to be on so that's again creationresearch.net contact us you know i I can remember at school where they're in science they're teaching evolution and and i was a a young christian fellow and i'd speak up and say what about this what about that what you know um what would you say to young kids who are maybe listening right now and they've been basically just taught evolution by their school system, what would you say to them? How should they look into this? What's what's your advice to the kids out there? Okay, well, number one, be respectful to your teacher because the sad truth is most teachers have never had the opportunity to even look at the evidence. They've just been told the evidence proves evolution. And when you've got a professor who's going to give you the degree at the end of the year, Mm -hmm. you have to be very brave to disagree with that professor. So A, they don't know where to go. Uh, so be be respectful to the teacher. But C, learn the value of two things. One is questions. Excuse me, miss, you just said dinosaurs turned into birds. Do we actually have any fossils showing that, right? Yeah, yep. And then make sure you go to creationresearch.net that night and look up the <laughs> fossil that the teacher mentions, right? Yep. Because you'll find the rest of the tale that you needed to know. Good. And the second is learn the value of the trinity, You know, the number three, the triune, the three in one, because you'll find it everywhere. Not only are there three primary colors, not only are there three notes to a chord, not only are there three 
basic dimensions, but the third person in language is brilliant to use to get through tricky situations. And that is when you are asked in an exam, what proof of evolution uh, shows dinosaurs turn into birds? Right now, the third person is a brilliant way to avoid having to betray the fact that you don't yeah. believe it. So all you need to say is, well, according to my textbook, uh-huh. right? okay. and so use that. Be wise like Daniel, right? Mm. He, he was a high servant in a pagan government, and not once did he betray God. Mm. Not once did he give up on the truth. But he found the value of telling people, now listen, here's what you want, so here's how we can do it, right? So that according to my professor, such and such, right? And then when you get a good enough reputation because you're scoring A's in your exam, start to say, <laughs> well, according to my professor, such and such, but I've read a book by John com, the creation guy, right? <laughs> and he says, so now you're back. They were still using the third person sort of situation. And then when you continue to get A pluses, you say, my professor said, John com says, and I think. Mm-hmm. Now, at that point, you will have gained a good enough respect yes. to get away with that. Mm, that's brilliant. Well, mate, thank you so much for coming in today. You've got uh, a wealth of knowledge, and I'm, I, for one, are going to go and have a look it up at all those websites and find all the information about this and get ready for my mate I'm catching up with soon. Uh, John Mackay, we reckon you're a history maker. Thanks for joining us. Good on you. Thanks so much for joining us on History Makers today. You know, the vision of History Makers is to spread the good news of Jesus Christ through conversation to the nations of the world. We're now on over 58 radio stations around Australia and Pacific nations, and we're so excited about the opportunity we have to broadcast the good news on the airwaves. If you would like to make a donation, please go to our website, historymakersradio.com. There you can also download interviews. We've got some great web links and some great information for you about following Jesus. So please go to historymakersradio.com. I'm Matt Prater. God bless. Go and make history. History Makers.